Okay, so if, if Stardust City Rag taught us one thing, Clay, it's that we were wrong for worrying four episodes about why does Starfleet not know about the Borg Cube in Wrong mm. Old Space? Everyone knows about the Borg Cube, apparently, because all you have to do is bring it up and people go, is that the Borg Cube? Is that the artifact, the Borg Cube over there? So it was, it was apparently a mystery they were hiding for a little bit to not let you know that anyone in Starfleet or anyone in the Federation or even Jean-Luc Picard himself knew about the artifact in Romulan space. A strange decision, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this show knows how mysteries work, really, because it seems to be, um, they seem to be keeping a lot of information in order uh, away from you. That is not like mysterious, shouldn't be mysterious information. Um, and uh, it just feels like they're trying to be too clever with everything. And they throw a lot of work, like a lot of names and stuff out that they don't, uh, that mean nothing. Um, and I, we can probably get into that more as we talk about it, but it, it's just, uh, it's a really strange, interesting tactic. Uh, yeah. This episode highlighted a lot of those, I think. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of that stuff in this episode. There's a lot of it. Yeah. We'll, we'll I'm going to say, I'm going to say something controversial unkind i thought you were gonna <laughs> i think i enjoy discovery more than i enjoy this show oh wow that is controversial uh but i think that's a good place to uh, to leave it so let's listen to some music and then we'll come back and we'll break down stardust city rag Okay, so Stardust City Rag is the fifth episode of the first season of Star Trek Picard, aired on February 20th, 2020. A lot of 20s and 2s and zeros in that, written, uh, written by Kirsten Bayer, directed by Jonathan Frakes. In this episode, the La Serena crew begins an unpredictable and lively expedition on Free Cloud to search for Bruce Maddox. When they learn that Maddox has found himself in a precarious situation, a familiar face offers her assistance. So here we go, Clay. I um, mm. that's funny that you'd say that about this. You think you might prefer Discovery to this one? This one to me felt uh, very much like a Discovery episode. Like it was a, I, I even the way I the way I watched it and sort of reacted to it was very reminiscent to me of how I reacted to Discovery. Once you once you kind of abandon the pretense that that a Discovery season is actually going to go somewhere or do something with an idea, mm. you you kind of just go, yeah, sure. Why not? Why the fuck not? Like, you throw your hands up at every single reveal that comes along. You're just like, sure, that sounds good. Great. Let's do that. Um, I felt this way. I felt that way about this episode. And this episode kind of makes me wonder if I was just wrong about Picard in the lead up to it, in that I was, I was saying that I thought that maybe Picard has something over Discovery because it has a theme or an idea that it wants to talk about. And I'm, mm. I'm starting to become very concerned that the show has no idea what it's talking about for like what it's trying to do. I'm, I'm really shocked by how little it's leaning into what its setup seems to be. And I just, it feels to me like it's starting to go into this discovery route of just like zigzagging all over the place for the hell of it, mm. just to keep the pace up and things like that. And I'm, yeah. I'm really disenchanted by how even at this point, we're halfway through the season, I would have expected what the series is about to be set in stone by now. And I, sure. I just don't think it's there at this point. So it's you... going to be a race to the finish line. 
you you mean halfway through the season you weren't expecting uh to have an entire episode hinge on backstory about a character we haven't seen since Voyager ended mm-hmm. uh and st- stuff that happened off screen 15 years ago and you, and you don't know who Icheb is or however you pronounce his name yeah the uh, no idea <laughs> i mean i got the i got the idea that apparently <laughs> the they were close it. yeah but yeah. uh um i i just uh, <laughs> i really don't want any more episodes of this show where picard says what are you talking about and then just stands there with a a, a fart look on his face while people <laughs> tell him a story <laughs> i just i don't get like why obviously I, I mean i assume seven of nine is going to come back because she gave him that you know the bat signal at the end there or yeah the little beacon to call it call a fenris bounty hunter or whatever she is yeah don't uh, don't even get me started on that shit i'll get we'll get into that in a minute um but like what a why what a waste of seven of nine yeah like what what did her what did her being in this episode do to advance the plot of the 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 season i I, unless uh, i mean i guess you get that the tal shiar is involved with whoever this woman is first of all could have fixed a lot of problems by having that woman at the beginning of that opening scene where they kill the guy that dude from voyager that everybody knows that i don't know mm-hmm. like or something <laughs> like just to because when when seven confronts her at the end it's like this big reveal and you don't know who any of these people are yeah yeah or why you should care until seven of nine talks for five minutes and tells you why you should care. And then Picard goes, oh, yeah, I could see why that would be kind of sticky in this situation. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what. And then they dump her off. Like, I the I thought, okay, I thought the end was really good. I really liked the stuff with Agnes and uh, Bruce Maddox. Mm-hmm. From, um, did we, do we know if that's the same guy from TNG? It's not the same actor. If that's no, what it mean. was. I yeah, it didn't really look like him, but you know, age does weird things to people. No, it, I I had to look it up, but it is not the same actor. It's a new guy. Um, I thought that stuff was good. That was like legitimately interesting to me. Pretty much everything else in this episode, I thought was a waste of time. You're going to Free Cloud. You know, Free Cloud. I hate the place, but we the Fenris Rangers keep our money there. What little of it there is. It's a tough time on Fenris, I hear. Does that make you happy? I admire the ranger's goals, their courage, their tenacity. But you are taking the law into your own hands. What law? Point taken. I mean, we'll get to we'll get to the Agnes and Matt. Well, Agnes and Maddox to me annoyed me in the same way i guess we can get that out of the way right now because that annoyed me in the same way because to me that's a case of what you were talking about before the break which is it's a mystery only because the show wants it to be a mystery for you sure and like why what is the rationale for agnes as a character keeping her relationship with maddox a secret from everybody yeah yeah this i mean 
uh, I mean, normally if she said, explained their relationship, you'd get a scene where they're like, no, you can't come. You'd be emotionally compromised. You know, one of those things. But, but it, it would, as a viewer of the series, you would understand her motivation for trying to find Maddox leading into that, right? Sure. Like that, that gives yeah. her a motivation to come on this ship and look for Maddox. If they're like, oh, he's your lover who disappeared and you work together with him. So of course we have to let you come along with us. But I was, until they showed them making out, I 100% thought it was going to be her dad because <laughs> because of the way that that scene started and also the fact that um, she said that thing in the last episode about she used to live with someone who liked books and yes. you know so it was her father. I oh, 100% sure. thought it was going to be her dad because that would make narrative sense. Um, but uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, they... they- so they reveal this as a relationship just because that is a way to button the end of the episode up, basically. I know they reveal that earlier, that she's in a relationship with him. But the like, if you had known that they were in a relationship and they had played this character as if she was looking for her, her lover who's disappeared and she's in love with him and she wants to find him, then her killing him actually means something at that sure. point because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, like either I've been played or this is a horrible decision that she had to make. But she had to make. But the way that it comes across, you are told in this episode that they are an item. I don't think we've heard about this before. I don't. I think someone would have mentioned it or I would have remembered it possibly. But then at the end, she kills him, and you're just like, well, who cares? Like I just learned about this a second ago. It's like it has well, no. It has no importance to me. I I would disagree with that because I think the fact that they were lovers is irrelevant. I think the the ending still works because clearly they were they work together. Yeah. At the Daystrom Institute. So she does have a connection. She she is coming on the 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 mission to find him because they do have some sort of relationship whether it's you know, just that they work together or that they're friends or something. So like there is a connection already that, that is there. So I think, I think him, her killing him at the end still works, but I, I why make it romantic then? Like there's, I don't know. I, that's, I, that I don't know. I mean, that's just, just adding on top of things to try and make it more sad, I guess. Yeah. I, because I'd, I'd be totally fine with them working together and she kills him because of this, you know, the cryptic last words that he has to her. Sure. Like you're, you're, uh, the part that you put into this was like essential to the whole thing and she can't live with it and she kills him. I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. But they, sure. They added this relationship thing, which if you're going to add it at this point, they should have done it from the very start to make this seem like there's like a reason for her hunting after him. And it would have added something to the gravitas. And as, as you're saying, it feels very tacked on to just add it in the 11th hour here. Yeah. It it feels like it's done to make the killing more of a swerve. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, so where, where if, if they were just colleagues, it might be more obvious that she's probably has, bad intentions as soon as they get left alone but honestly it doesn't really help it that much i yeah so it's kind of if that's what they wanted to do it's they're doing they're doing suspicious close-ups of her the whole time in that final scene where she's like grimacing as he's talking you know she's up to no good in that point like it, it just it all betrays itself i think yeah you could take out all of that stuff it's just i don't know it's just character padding that they didn't do at the beginning like you said i think it they should have done at the beginning or at least tiptoed in like yeah if if she had brought that up when she came to picard and said she wanted to go with him that would make perfect sense Hmm. um 
but yeah, now they're they're here. They're doing it only to uh, to just pad out that death scene. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why they would do it. We can probably come back to it. I seven of nine is the big feature of this episode, right? A uh, holdover from Voyager. She's been doing something for fourteen years. It's good to see Jerry Ryan again. She mm-hmm. she's. I, I think that um, Jerry Ryan actually does a really good job of playing Seven, an older version yeah. of Seven here. I yeah. think that her per, her performance is bringing um, some high-octane juice to stuff that the script is not giving her whatsoever. Sure. And yes. I, I would like to praise her performance. I think she's really good in this. I think that she's strong. I think that she's trying. I think that she's do she is performing what she thinks is supposed to be important in this episode and I don't know if the script is really supporting her all that well. Mm-hmm. The problem with 7 here to me feels like this feels like a very just overt who is around that we can insert into this series at this yeah. point. Like who is tangentially yeah. related to the Borg and that we can bring in to this and have a moment because the best moment in this episode and this is an episode filled with terrible moments is (laughs) the final scene when she is about to beam down to the planet for the final time and she has the conversation with Picard about did you ever regain your humanity when you became uncoupled from the Borg and he says yes and she says all of it he says no and she and he says but we have to work on that that's like our goal in life how is the entire goddamn relationship between those two characters not built around that. It's only brought up at the very end. It's like the whole thing is such a waste of time in that Picard, the relationship that Picard should have to this character is only comes across as like Picard is a fan of Star Trek who's like, I can't believe Seven of Nine is on my show right now. (laughs) Well, in the show, the show, they don't even know how they know each other. There's literally a scene where they're like, oh, how do they know each other? And Agnes or whoever's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They must must know each other from back in their Starfleet days. It's like, come on, guys. How do they... The bond between them only seems to exist because of that last conversation they have. That's the only, that's the bond that binds them, that they're both ex-Borg and they share something there. But the episode doesn't have anything to say about that. It just brings it up as kind of this like final goodbye thing. And it's like, what a what a waste of time to not have them talking about this the entire yeah. time or have them like delving into it or having, you know, because... That, that, you're going to say that that defends the theme of the series and everything is that like past regrets and fixing your mistakes and stuff like that. But the episode focuses on a goofy cosplay Ocean's Eleven plot instead mm. of what's actually interesting about those two characters getting together. Yeah. Like, I I feel like maybe this would be too hacky. I don't know. But uh, I feel like I would prefer if instead of that opening scene where uh, she has to mercy kill Ichiban or whatever his name is. <laughs> Ichiro. Uh, um instead of mercy killing that guy if they did a flashback to like a uh picard running a uh starfleet um what's what's the word i'm looking for not aa but like a uh recovery like a recovery program yeah yeah yeah, a recovery program for people who used to be borg or something yeah and then you see how they interacted back then where seven of nine is really angry about it and picard is not or something you know like just give us a little bit more instead of that little tag at the end instead of i mean i could only assume that the stuff with uh uh ichiro is um the 
that woman is harvesting Borg stuff for the Tal Shia. I don't know. It just, it's, I, I feel like there's not enough interesting plot. There's a lot of plot going on, but none of it is interesting enough for me to want to know about it mm-hmm. in, uh, um, in lieu of, uh, I don't want to, I'm more interested in the character work than I am about any of this plot crap that's happening. Yes. So I don't know why they insist on just giving you all these like disparate strands of this plot that is not really interesting because we don't even really know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if there was something a little bit more concrete at the center of it, I think it would, maybe that would be more interesting, but you know, people aren't coming to this show because they want to see what's going on with the Romulans and the Borg technology. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're coming because you want to see Picard. He's the name of the show. You want to see him, you know, having the conversation, doing what he's doing and having, well, maybe not any more conversations. There's a lot of conversations <laughs> in this show, but like you want to see, is there a conversation him. or is there people just telling you stuff? Yeah. It's people telling you stuff, but yeah. you know, that's what you, you want to see that character and how he's adapted to this big picture problem. And it, like that stuff is way more interesting than. Like, are the Fenris Rangers something that existed before this show? I don't believe so. I don't, I've never heard. I've never heard that. I mean, this is and, it's a it's another problem of this time jump that they've had to make because it's fifteen years later in the TNG mm-hmm. universe, like uh, from the end of TNG or Nemesis or whatever, or the Romulan uh, destruction to this point has been fifteen years roughly. So they had to fill in Seven's backstory. What's Seven been up to? For these 14 years, right? Mm -hmm. And because they have this huge swath of time, Seven has to take on this career path that it makes sense. Like, I can understand what's going on, but at the same time, it feels so manufactured for her that, like, I, I just don't, I just have a hard time caring about the drama of a situation when the drama is apparently coming from them having to fill me in about what's been happening for 14 years and i'm supposed to care about that like i i can't focus on the current version of the story because they're too busy having to tell me what the fuck seven has been doing for 14 years and she lives on some fenris thing and she pays money to these rangers and the rangers have a bank on this planet it's like i don't i don't care about this like this is not very interesting that that stuff to me feels like world building that is fine for the writer's room, but you don't need to put all that stuff in your script. Right. That like the 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 stuff about the Fenris Rangers was just making my head hurt because it's like I don't understand why they're telling us all this stuff. They keep saying the Fenris Rangers like that's supposed to mean something, but I don't know what it is. Like they they show up. Um, there's no. In the last episode, they're like, don't the Fenris Rangers patrol this area? And then when her ship shows up, nobody's like, oh, that's a Fenris Ranger ship. <laughs> you know? And then they, so it's Seven of Nine shows up. And then the next in the next episode, they just casually mention, oh, she's part of the Fenris. It's like, I don't give a shit about that stuff. Yeah. And I mean. Like, who who cares? The, the Fenris Rangers, I guess, are the Jedi who are patrolling the Outer Rim, basically. Like, it's become lawless in this area because of the Romulan mm-hmm. uh the loss of the neutral zone, I think, was actually what they say in this. So, I this, 
Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I understand the need for that stuff to be explained, but that stuff seems to have zero bearing on what this story is about to this point. Yeah. There's just no... I don't care about the lawlessness around Romulus. I assume things are kind of like that, but I don't need to be told that there are these groups going around and sort of acting as vigilantes or whatever, because it feels like it's a distraction from what the story is supposed to be. Like, I, I don't need to be brought up to date and like fully informed of everything that's happened in this universe to this point. I, I just kind of, I'm tagging along with Picard as he goes on a, an adventure, I suppose. And I, I don't right. need to know all the backstory that's going on because it, the backstory is irrelevant to his plot of finding Soji. There's, there's nothing, that we don't run into the Fenris Rangers. We don't know anything about them. We don't care about them. It's Seven is joined. I guess that's fine. That's why she kills people readily now, but it's just, it's irrelevant to me. Yeah, and it it was like it was for me it was like if I watched an episode of Deep Space 9 and they just start casually talking about the Maquis and I have no I've never seen an episode with the Maquis in it. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's everybody's talking about it, everybody seems to know what this is. It doesn't have any bearing on the plot. It's just something they're talking about. Uh unless you know what it is, which the Maquis, you have at least a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you been- uh, and I and they're and they're doing more of it too. That's the thing that's killing me. Like the, in that that uh, at the end with um, seven of nine and the woman who looks suspiciously like Deanna Troy, uh, they they she's talking about whatever and and she's like you were babbling about blah 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 and they drop like two more things that sound like they're secret societies. Yes, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it's it was just so, it was just something that screamed to me. Uh, here's here's another one of those things. It's like. Uh, it's like in a, in a in a Lovecraft story where one character they find has gone nuts and he's st- and like the person who's you know quote unquote writing the story is like he just started saying things like Yog Sothoth and the beast with a hundred eyes and stuff like that and it's it's meant to build you know fear and all that kind of crap yeah but it's not like you don't do that like in the middle of the story that's yeah. like at the beginning when you just use that to set the mood that isn't just like a mid season another piece of crap that's going to come out at some point that you're not going to know anything about because you weren't paying close enough attention to this dialogue that between a character that you haven't seen in 15 years and a character you don't care about. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's difficult for me to get into this. And the reason, the reason why I said, I think I d- enjoy discovery more is because at this point in discovery, I at least know who the characters are for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so there's a a level of like, I know what they're going to do structurally. I know what this is going to do as far as the look of the show and the kind of thing they're going to do. So I can kind of just sit back and just let it wash over me. Discovery. You can allow that discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I know who Michael Burnham is. I know who Saru is. I know who Tilly is. And I know who Dr. Guy is. Uh, Stamets. Um, so there's a certain, uh, understanding of, of, of how these characters are going to interact with each other. And I may think the story is ridiculous, but at least I kind of like know what I'm in for and can kind of just enjoy it. Yeah. This one is just, I don't know who any of these people are and it's, you're five episodes in to a 10 episode season. And I don't know why I should super care about the fact that Rafi is a conspiracy theorist with like a drug problem <laughs> and, and a uh and a strange son obviously yeah, yeah i don't know maybe i'm being too hard on it from that angle but i just i 
I, I just found myself, and maybe I'll change my mind once we get into the third season discovery and I remember what that's actually like. <laughs> but like, I just found myself in the middle of this episode, like halfway through Picard's French pirate impression. I was like, I don't, what is going on? I don't know why I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to care about that. Like, I think that's what it is. Like in discovery, they hold your hand to a, uh, annoying degree and tell you how you're supposed to feel about certain things because they, you know, they kind of manipulate you into that headspace. Whereas in this, I'm like, I, 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 I don't want you to hold my hand, but I also want you to give me a story that is worth caring about. Yeah. And I don't think this is one of those stories. Well, the, the thing to me about this is that, um, discuss it. W- the thing that annoyed me particularly about this episode, I, I think this might be the worst episode of the season that I've seen. It's pretty bad so far. It's pretty pretty I'm disappointed. Awful. I, I should have known from how the costumes they were wearing in the preview last week looked like <laughs> they were like off the rack at Party City. <laughs> My thing, the thing that I see, I find the show at the, from this the point of view of this episode not all that dissimilar to Discovery in that mm-hmm. the characters. Because I, I think you might be sort of fondly remembering Discovery character interactions in a way that doesn't actually happen on on that show, too. It's possible. It's very possible. And I, I think that the characters here on this show are kind of copying that. And I feel that they took a, a step back from the last episode where I felt that they interacted with each, with each other in a way that felt more realistic and wasn't sort of like this character's archetype would react this way to this kind of situation and it would tell this person this kind of thing. Here it felt more tropey. Than anything, and that's that's an, how this um this series has a lot of lazy writer tropes inserted into it, like the drinking thing to show that someone is like troubled or something. It's just they have a drink all the time. It's just a lazy trope. It's like that's who was doing that? Uh, Seven. She wants bourbon. Oh yeah, at the start. Um, sure. Which it's you're in a holodeck. <laughs> it's not going to fill you up. But I yeah, think, it's not going to get you drunk either. I what what annoyed me about this episode is that. It felt to me the most like Discovery's pacing that out of all the episodes that we've seen so far. And this is not a slow show by any stretch. This is, the show's been moving to this point. But here, I felt like, to me, the most absurd thing about the Seven story is she tells them something. She tells them she's going to go down with them. They go down. They meet the woman. Woman recognizes her. Seven immediately changes plans, grabs her by the neck, and that for some reason foils all these bodyguards who are around her. Yeah. And then she turns the tables on them just by doing that, reveals her true state of mind, reveals this. Picard's shocked that someone would lie to him or whatever. And then she goes up. They they all get beamed out. And then Seven goes back up. Seven goes back down, kills her, and walks off. It's just that... For how and for how they're playing this as like an Ocean's Eleven thing, there were zero stakes the entire episode. Yeah, it's it's and there's no nervous energy. There's nothing nervous. You're not nervous about anything. Seven handles the business by grabbing her by the neck and says, "Everyone put their guns down." They do, and that's fine. It's just so boring. And it's like they they have to get through this scene. They have to get through this episode. They have to do this Seven storyline for some reason. And this is just the fastest, quickest, dirtiest way to get it done. And it's it's really disappointing and annoying to watch. And there's there's literally a point in the in the the show where one of the characters turns to Picard and goes, "Are are we still pretending?" Yeah, yeah, El, El, Picard, El Ron or whatever. Yeah, and Picard and Picard's like, "No." 
nope, we're just we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> like what's what's going on, man? Like she there's no yeah. when Seven goes rogue, there's no it doesn't like build the tension. Everybody just kind it's like she it's like she uh she blew up the the improv scene or something. You right. know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, everybody's got their kooky character and then Seven pulled out a gun and everyone's like, "Uh, back it, to one, I guess." It was so easy to overcome their adversity that the charade makes no sense in hindsight. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's just like they just did it because they wanted to be and I and the I, I think it's just it's a bad mix of tones because this is an incredibly dark episode of Star Trek too that has a lot of like brutal murder yeah. and torture yeah. in it. But I feel like to, they felt that they had to lighten the mood or something in the middle because of all the death that were on the bookends of it. So they made them do this kind of goofy Ocean's Eleven plot, which it just doesn't work. Like the, the mashup of those two tones feels incredibly strange and wrong for what they're trying to do. And it feels like the point, the, the tone steps on each other's feet the entire episode. Also, how do you, how do you have Picard uh, presented with the fact that this mission he's on is going to involve a Borg cube or the Borg in any way and have him completely no sell Th- th- that information where he they're just or whoever it's uh, is it maddox who's like oh she's on she's on the artifact and he's like the board cube huh yeah like, all right i guess <laughs> i guess we're going there you know like why why no especially flashback with, to locutus uh close yeah, face or, ups yeah especially with seven of nine on there and especially with this whole thing about like regaining your humanity and people pulling the pieces out of you and seven all that dialogue about seven being uh you know she was a borg from when she was younger so she's all even more fucked up than normal people which still doesn't make any sense to me because if whatever um but you know she shouldn't look that good if she was if she's been a borg (laughs) since she was it's all it's all on the inside it's all (laughs) i guess i guess um but you know, and he's just like, oh, all right, well, yeah, I, I assumed this was going to happen eventually. You know, I don't know. It just feels strange to me where you've got this character and uh, this character who is uh, a former Borg in Picard. You've got another character who is a for- and uh, I should say a character who is a former Borg in Picard and who has more or less gotten over it for the sake of argument. Mm-hmm. And you've also got this other character who was formerly a Borg who clearly has not gotten over it. And then you've got all this imagery and all this stuff about like the horrors of harvesting these pieces and how it's destroying these people. And then when you and it's dehumanizing, it to, which I, I like. I yeah. I do think that they're getting across the dehumanization of the Borg in a way that's very interesting, both from the perspective of becoming a Borg and the way that people don't treat them as real people once they are Borg or once they've mm. been changed. And I think that that's that's well done. I think maybe like that's as well done as anything that the show has done, but it it's not it's not fitting in to the picard angle in a way that it seems like it should obviously fit in in some way dealing yeah. with his past and everything but it's just, it feels like it's just this very tertiary connection between the two of them yeah you've got all that stuff in play in this episode but they're not leaning into any of it and they're just doing this like uh wacky mix them up and then at the end when picard is confronted with this stuff he's just sort of like meh 
I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like the pieces were there. They just put the puzzle together in the wrong order. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean. And also, why does seven leave? Like, you should, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like seven should want to go to that cube. Yes. Is, and is, is, you know, instead of just fucking off to shoot that lady and then go back on the run or something like that, finding out that whatever is going on here involves a board cube and the Romulans possibly doing something shady over there, especially after that speech that she gave about helping the helpless and, you know, the the stuff at the beginning with uh, Ichiro, Ichban, Ichi, Icheb, Icheb, Icheb. I think we've said it so many funky times now that I'm not even sure that it is, that's it, but I'm pretty sure his name is Icheb. Ichbin Ein Berliner. Ichabod Crane. Yeah, uh, but like like that that opening scene is literally her uh, not being able to save someone whose life has been destroyed by the fact that they have Borg parts inside of them. And it's like this devastating thing. So thematically, you would think, oh, well, presented with the chance to help others in that situation. Hell yeah, I'm sticking around for this mm-hmm. this fight. Yeah. But nope, we only had money for one episode. Yeah. I, or I, two, when she comes back with the rest of the fucking Fenris Rangers at the end to help, help <laughs> save Picard's ship when they get bogged down by uh, Borg-powered Romulan warbirds or something. A shit. nice callback to um, when the <clears throat> Kelpians learned how to fly starships and came in and saved yeah, the discovery yeah. all the all the formerly borg mental patients are gonna all of a sudden know how to fly spaceships that that's really my my big problem with the seven stuff is that it, it feels i i'm surprised judging from the material i expected seven to have a more integral role in what was going on in this story and yeah, i mean well to be fair to be fair we don't know that she doesn't we might start cutting back to her on whatever mission she's on and how that, I don't think that's going to happen with five episodes left in the season, but you never know. I I think she's in four episodes from IMDb and she's been in two so far. So she'll come back obviously, but I, for, I'm just surprised. I'm really surprised that how well designed she is to fit into the story, being an ex Borg, like Picard being Borg related being a returning character, being someone that we know, someone that you can sort of tie into things. Her her involvement in this storyline feels like it could have been anybody, and they just mm. named it Seven of Nine for this role. And it, it doesn't feel to me like it ever... It doesn't feel to me like good writing, where at the genesis of this story, you come up with a good idea as to why Seven and Picard would be interacting with each other. Yeah, And that just doesn't come across. It comes across as as purely getting names in there that you need to know. And it makes me actually very terrified of how they're going to insert Riker and Troy into this. I was thinking the same thing, where I was like, I at this point, I hope they don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> they just cut those scenes. But because they haven't shown that they understand why there would be a reason for these characters to return in this show. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm shocked by that, really. That was the most surprising thing. The thi- I mean, it's just killing me the way that they're handling a lot of these characters, because like... You know, we said, I think in the last episode, or maybe the one before that, that um, they really dropped the ball not having the Raffi character be a character we know from TNG. Yeah. And could you imagine this episode if if Raffi was like uh, Jordy or something? It would be the best storyline in the show. 
if you had this character that we know who's clearly going through some shit that is trying to help Picard, but also is trying to get their life together. And it's like that scene where she gets up on the transporter pad and they kind of have that, you know, uh, um, <clears throat> final goodbye scene or whatever. The fake uh, goodbye, she, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the fake goodbye before she heads down to see her son. Did you imagine if that was Geordi or Riker or something? That would have been a great scene. But I, I think that if you insert Geordi or Riker into that, right, I actually get the sense, and I don't know if I'm supposed to get the sense, I get the sense Even that Wesley. Picard- if it was Wesley, it would be great. <laughs> How do you describe the relationship between Picard and Raffi? Because I think if you, if you do what you're saying and replace him with Geordi or Riker, right, the way Picard treats her seems wrong if it's Riker or Geordi. Right, he seems too um, narcissistic or something. Like he's too mm-hmm. invested in his own mission and doesn't care about her problems. But I don't know if the scripts and the performance of this are playing the Picard and Raffi relationship that way. I don't get the sense that Picard is blind to the needs of Raffi. I think that he actually comes across as wanting to support her, but he kind of respects the fact that she's her own independent person and wants to do her own thing. Sure, I just. But the tragedy of it is if Picard is too wrapped up in his own shit and he can't see the suffering that's going on on the other side, that, that's a better story there. And it's just not happening. And I think that if you brought in characters like Riker and Geordi, it becomes more apparent. And I don't know if that's, if that's intentional, but I think it should be intentional. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're probably right. I think it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like it's a lot of stuff that we're supposed to be caring about with that character that just isn't landing because none of it we don't have any basis to care about any of it yeah her her scene is awful and if this if the episode was three minutes long that would have been the scene that they'd cut you know there's yeah there's nothing you know it's an obvious fake out they're not saying goodbye forever she goes down she talks to her kid the problem with that scene is nothing changes if you cut that scene. If you just cut the fact that she ever left and comes back to the ship, nothing happened there. It's just that right. Raffi's not in this episode. She right, doesn't have exactly. a she doesn't learn something down there that makes her want to come back. She doesn't do anything that is like, you know, betraying herself or anything to come back and show some kind of character motivation. It's just she goes down, has a conversation and realizes she's got nowhere else to go, so she goes back to the ship and locks herself into her room. <laughs> and it's right. like yeah. what w- what is the point of that? Like you you could easily cut that scene and nothing changes about Raffi there. Yeah, it's just a character beat that doesn't make me care about the character anymore. No. Well, it, yeah. it's, what a weird like I I know they did it because they wanted to hammer home the point that she's a grandmother or a soon to be grandmother and that's going to be devastating to her. But what a like meeting her son outside the ultrasound room or something and being like, yeah, "Hey, weird. son, it's uh, it's me. I, I found you here." Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah, you know, like if I I think it would have been more interesting. You know, like okay, instead of what does Raffi learn coming out of that scene. I think you could play the scene the same way and think about what we learn about Raffi. But what we do learn about Raffi is not really integral to anything. And it doesn't really tell us anything that we didn't really know before. Well, she's, she's going to be right about the synth attack, right? Sure. Sure. But there's no way she's wrong about that. But I, I, I think that's the problem is because we know that the synth attack is suspicious or it's going to be, or this, this character would not harp on this point all the time if they were totally wrong about it. Yeah. So when you know that she's right, 
there's no drama to that scene because if she's wrong, that scene is totally different or something. Like if, if, if the son can actually poke holes in her argument and make her seem crazy, Raffi takes on a different characterization. But as it stands, right. she's just a person who can't convince the world that she's right. And it's like, well, who ca- like, so that's why you're smoking the snake weed or whatever they call it in this show. It's, it's just, it's not very satisfying to watch. Yeah. If we had gotten to that scene and what we knew about Raffi up to that point was that she was like a little bit too overly eager to jump down the rabbit hole of this like conspiracy idea that Picard's throwing at her, you know, like something, something where the way that she presents herself to her son is uh, contrary to what we thought we knew about her as a character. That way it's like, Oh, Oh, she didn't just, she's not just, helping picard because he she believes his shit she's like a conspiracy theorist who might be like kind of out of her mind a little bit you right. know obviously that's not the case but you yeah. know what i mean yeah. something like that where it's like you get something out of it that makes you think about the character differently instead of just oh she has a son that she's estranged from and isn't life as someone who's right hard no one just chooses to do drugs they have reasons yeah. to be driven I to still, drugs i still don't understand why she ended up like on Skid Row when Picard <laughs> left his job. And I feel like that's a big part of it is like, I, I, I guess why she got fired. Yeah. Why, why, why Picard resigning yeah, led to her being fired. I feel fired. like so much of this could have been saved if we just saw that scene in episode two or three or whatever, where he actually gets fired. Like if Picard goes in there and he starts talking his stuff and then she tries to back him up by giving him this information about like, Oh, she's bringing the, conspiracy information something like that right and and then the admirals realized they had to cut off both heads of this insurrection against them or something yeah so at least there you have this idea that the stuff that she believes has made her a pariah and has prevented her from living her life you know that kind of stuff instead of just well i guess i I guess you are my boss so i guess i'm fired too (laughs) (laughs) that's how the military works right that's how the military works i know it's it's strange. It's an, but another- don't worry, don't worry. They mentioned Quark and the Breen, so I'm. It's every. We're all. We're all good graces again. I know right? that's Quark, how this works. Quark has a uh, a sign in the outside of one of the exterior. It's Quark's bar is lit up. In oh, neon. does he? Oh, I yes. missed that. That's yeah. fun. And there's a um. I take it back. This is a great episode. Ma, the Mott's Barbershop is another thing, which is a callback to the barber on TNG. I guess everyone has settled on this planet for whatever reason to uh, to make their quota. Mm. Yeah, if they I, wanted to, if they really wanted to impress me, one of those signs would be for Garrick's Tailor Shop. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't. I, I thought about this a bit too much, maybe because the episode wasn't really holding to me, holding my attention too much. But um, I don't believe Quark would ever leave Deep Space Nine. Quite frankly, yeah, it seems wrong to me. He's there at the end of I, the series. He's there now. I feel like I feel like he would talk about it all the time. Yes. But he would never actually do it. <laughs> right. That's that's a, yeah, that's a good perspective. Unless um, unless Rom left, like if if Rom and Lita decided to like open their own bar or something like that, I think he would leave with them and under the pretense of like, well, you're not going to be able to do this, so I'm going to have to make sure you do it right. Sure. But I don't I don't think that he would ever actively like if Rom is there and if he's got no reason to really leave, I don't think he would leave. <clears throat> Anything else to talk about that like I I don't know. I sometimes wonder or worry about the fact that the podcast episodes for the bad episodes are are us just kind of going like, "What the fuck? Like, why did that happen?" Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe it's a good idea for us to like consolidate why I didn't like this episode, I suppose. I I was I was just very I was surprisingly disappointed by this one, I thought. This was the first one that it it kind of did its best to blow apart any kind of defense I could put up for the show knows where it's going at this mm. point. Mm. And I I fundamentally just think that the series doesn't know what it's about. And I think a good way to tie like a good way to show that is from what we learned in the last episode about Elrond and we had the episode that we really liked. Elrond has apparently been reduced to the data joke character who yeah. only mm-hmm. chimes in with some dumbass comment or observation that he's made. Mm. And maybe you know, maybe they're going to redeem him and stuff like that, but when you have such a small cast and the characters are being brought in because of this deep, in Elrond's case, it's this deep regret that Picard failed to live up to a promise that he had made. And that's why he's brought this guy with him. And the guy is with him because this is a lost cause. Like, there is no redemption for Picard at this point, Like the re- or Elrond thinks that. How does that character in the next episode just get immediately turned into a comedy relief role? Like, right. where, where's the thought process there? Why, why does he not have more to say? Why is everyone joking around so goddamn much about this thing? It's 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 just a strange mashup of the show not being what I thought it was and what I thought it was obvious that the show had to be from a writing perspective. They mm-hmm. just aren't seizing on it. Yeah, I think for me the thing that's that was really not working for me in this episode and in a larger sense the series is this I feel like they are presenting this story in a way that makes sense if you are part of the writer's room. Like it it feels like they have as a group hashed out every detail of this story and all of these side things and all of these characters and backstories and stuff and the way that they're forgetting that we don't know that stuff and so the way that they're presenting it is very nonchalantly dropping information that doesn't make any sense to us or doesn't matter to us and like making us try to trying to feed us these plot lines that are supposed to be important but we don't have any reason to think that they're important or care about them and so then you've got what like for instance i think bruce maddox is a is a perfect example of this um I don't understand, like, he doesn't bring anything really to the table in this episode other than the fact that he, he that uh, he tells him that da- Dodge, is that the other one? Dodge and Soji. Soji's the one who's alive, right? Yes, yep. Uh, other than the fact that Soji's on the, on the, the, uh, the board cube. Like, he, they talked about him for, like, three episodes in a, as this big, you know, important character involved in the story. Um, but we don't, still have any idea why image Here's like, my th- I mean, he created i assume he created dodge and soji but aside from that like i don't know why his he's important to anybody and if he is important the fact that he's dead means nothing to me and <laughs> <laughs> you know like, I, I, I don't know my, i think my problem with the maddox thing at this point is that imagine if you if, imagine if this is your first star trek series right Oh, we forbid. we as people we as people semi familiar with the franchise know who Bruce Maddox is. Right? If I hadn't rewatched that episode, I would have no idea who this guy is. 
but and I I think that the I think the thing is if you approach this from the perspective of someone unfamiliar with it, Bruce Maddox becomes incomprehensibly weak as a character. I think, yeah, like like absolutely. you you go, like, why are they chasing this guy? They chase him, and he just dies. Like, why do we care about him? Fans of the show were giving a lot of leeway to that plot line. I think because they're like, oh. This ties into my point about what I thought that was obvious. Like, oh, Bruce Maddox is there because they're going to talk about this or something. Like, Bruce mm-hmm. Maddox exists in this story because Bruce Maddox as a character, like Seven of Nine, has some connection to this. They have some yeah. sort of insight that they can provide to this story. And yeah, none Bruce of the Maddox characters provide any insight. Yeah. Bruce Maddox, the way they talked about him, seemed like he was going to be the character who at least puts a couple shines a light on a couple of the the pieces of the puzzle. Right. Instead of just adding more mystery to things. Right. Exactly. I think that's, I think that's the biggest problem is that they've, I've said that like four times, but I think that's a big problem is that they keep stacking these mysteries on top of each other without really giving the ones on the bottom any time to breathe or pay off really. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you forget about them. Yeah, and it just makes it tough to follow and tough to care about, especially when your show is supposed to be, at least it seemed like it was supposed to be, about Picard sort of ruminating on his life and what he's going to do with the rest of his life and his uh, transgressions in his life. And Remember, he's been got, diagnosed exactly, with a terminal disease in this, yeah, in this series. <laughs> we got exactly one episode of him... Uh, feeling bad about shit he could have done differently and it was the best episode of the series so far yeah i don't know it's just uh, but saru is great (laughs) let's take a break i'll play an audio clip and then we'll come back and me and clay will give our final thoughts about stardust city rag which is a great elton john song beautiful title after they brought you back from your time in the collective do you honestly feel that you regained your humanity yes all of it no but we're both working on it aren't we every damn day of my all right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the content today, consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. That's patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff, extra podcasts some videos, the behind the scenes stuff over at Patreon. And as always, our Captain Tier supporters get a shout out. Special thanks go to Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beamore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Jeffrey Koch, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Rice, Cal Barrett, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elliott, Samuel Custer, Grim Santos, Sean, Stefan Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Hiles, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much for supporting the show, guys. Hopefully, you're enjoying Picard or at least our coverage of Picard, if not. But that's it. Stardust City Rag Clay was the name of this one. I don't know. Um, You you know, I think another reason it just occurred to me why I think I enjoy Discovery more than this is because I think the design in this show is terrible. Oh, and you uh, do you think you think Discovery is actively superior, or you just uh, do you mean like production design, or what? What what aspect of production? Production design. Like I, I just don't think it's very interesting to look at really like the, the the 
the costumes aren't particularly engaging. Um, all of the sci-fi tech stuff looks like they just got it out of the sci-fi box backstage. Like those guns that they were holding at the at the club looked like toy guns you'd buy at Walmart. Mm-hmm. I just there was nothing there was nothing like cooler about it. Whereas Discovery, the one thing it does absolutely excellently is the design of the in the look of the show. Let's wrap this up with a little bit of a, a different way than we normally do. We don't give we won't give final thoughts about the episode, I think, because we gave our final thoughts about it. Um, there's a conversation thread on Twitter, I think, that you might have been a part of um, about if I wasn't, I am appalled and hurt that I wasn't. A part. <laughs> there was also a a video, um, a channel called Resonant Arc that I listened to did a sort of. Uh, a related conversation that kind of sparked me too. It just kind of coincidentally happened to come up around the Picard thing where they were talking about Final Fantasy and why the newest Final Fantasies uh, video games don't really live up or don't make them feel like the way that the old ones do. Mm-hmm. And there's always this answer that it's like, oh, it's just nostalgia and like the new stuff never really hits as good as the old stuff that you had in your youth and things like that. And well, I think that's true to a degree. I do think that as all franchises, not just Star Wars and Final Fantasy, but Star Wars and everything like it, as they move on, I think that they they kind of lose a core of what they are along the way. And mm. and I don't know why that is, because fans of the series are making the new series, you know? And sure. it, it's it's funny to me that people who love the stuff and grew up on it, when they get the chance to make it, seem to fundamentally miss what makes the franchise the franchise. And I understand sure. that things have to change and things have to become different and you need to move on. It's like uh, the, the stuff is like a shark. It has to keep swimming. At the same time... Deepest, bluest. The show <laughs> is like a shark. <laughs> At the same time, if you took the Star Trek name off of this show, right, and you eliminated any link to anything that Seven of Nine has, that Jean-Luc Picard, like, none of these characters exist, right? You're a person new Mm -hmm. to the franchise. If you watch this show and then were shown Star Trek, I don't think you would make the connection that they're kind of, that they're the same show. You know what I mean? Like, they they feel very different from each other. Um, That's not the best way to describe uh, it. There's not enough full body exploding phaser blasts in the original show, <laughs> which I say that in all seriousness because that was a good shot. Um. It was the it's the sensors of the era. I just, I think that um I'll throw it to you. I'll try to clarify. I just think that what this series and what Discovery are doing feels very different than what I would consider to be an updated Star Trek mm-hmm. and. That that sounds like it's kind of like internet hand-wringing kind of stuff, but I, I do fundamentally think that even down to the way that it, the, the plots of these shows are designed, which is the endless mystery, it just doesn't fit into a Star Trek context, really. It's, sure. it's, it's just not what Star Trek was successful at doing what, and what differentiated itself from Star Wars and things like that. And, and I don't know. It's just It's just strange that they have come up with this new version of telling a Star Trek story that feels very divorced from what you would expect a Star Trek uh, show. And I'll just tie that finally into our... That's what's so surprising to me about the way this has gone. Given all the information we knew about this series, Picard's in it, Seven is in it, this Borg Mm -hmm. thing, Romulan destruction. 
I just feel that there was a direction I thought they were going to go in, but they didn't go that way because this, it's no longer built like a Star Trek show, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's I, I think I know what you're saying, and it makes me think about um, the movie Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. And uh, just bear with me because this, I hope, hopefully will make sense. <laughs> um, that movie famously was in development hell for years and years and years and years. They wanted to do it for a long time, but they could never get it off the ground. And they did like 25 or 30 different scripts. One of actually that was written by uh, Brandon Braga and Ron, Ron Moore. Mm-hmm. And um, every time that they did one, it got weirder and wackier and like further and further away from the core of the idea of what these two franchises were. And, you know, you had like Freddy cults and like, you know, really meta stuff going on and like uh, crazy shit that you that you've never seen in any of these movies and is not something you would ever want to see in these movies. And eventually the thing that got the movie made was the two guys that wrote the script that eventually got made stripped all that stuff away and essentially said, what's the core idea of these two franchises and what are the things that people are going to want to see? Let's just put them together. And it worked. And I think, despite what you may or may not think of that movie, it's probably the best version of that movie you could ask for because it's like <laughs> it doesn't Freddy. Take, yeah, it doesn't take assumptions about what people want. It just delivers. Yeah, Freddy be act acting like Freddy uh in the dream world, he needs uh people don't believe him in, in him anymore, so he needs someone to make everybody scared again. So he starts controlling Jason who can kill people in the real world, and you got Freddy doing Freddy stuff, you got Jason doing Jason stuff, and at the end of the movie they fight each other and it's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And it's I think that's one of these things where as a franchise continues, you keep trying to like raise the bar, but I think they end up raising the wrong bar or I should, I don't, maybe that's not the metaphor to use, but like they, it's, they, they, they keep going further out to sea, but eventually the thing that's uh, uh, tying them to the mainland just snaps yeah. and they just start drifting out in open sea. So you're in a ship that looks like, the thing that you're supposed to be familiar with, but it's not, you know, there's no anchor to it. There's nothing holding it down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like, I, I think that's sort of what's happening. Arguably to a lesser, I mean, again, I, maybe I just haven't watched discovery in a while, but I feel like at least that one has identifiable star Trek stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one is almost, I don't know. I, I hate to turn on a dime so hard from the last episode, but it just feels like it's, barely a star trek show yeah and i hate to, I, I i hate being the saying that because usually that's what assholes say when they don't like it for no that's the main in, inter- internet criticism is this is not star trek yeah yeah and it's like i guess you got to think about what that means to you then right um and for me it's like there's a certain level of iconography associated with it and there's a certain style of storytelling that's associated with it that i think you can I think you can update, but for some reason they are um, going in a strange direction as far as the storytelling goes, and I don't think that I love it. I mean, the 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 kicker there is that quality matters, right? If this show is sure. exactly the same, but it was good, yeah. I'd be like, oh, this is Star Trek. Like, this is, <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. This, this is yeah. definitely Star Trek. Um, but it's just, it's not, uh, it can't manage to do that. Yeah, I just, I... 
Because I feel that the franchise has flexibility to it. And I feel that you can do things like this. And I think that it would be in trouble if it didn't have that kind of flexibility to it. I mean, the, I would. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, the, there's so many of the shows that have 200 episodes each because of how flexible it was and how it allowed for this sort of great variety of kinds of episodes and like character based episodes and action episodes and even genre specific episodes. And they, they got to play around with it for a while. Eventually, even that ran out of gas. But here, I just, I, it's this, this, I really think that the main thing that kills me is the insistence on this, if they want to call it mystery box or whatever, but this endless mystery writing style mm. is just really not satisfying. And it's like, it, it, it's, I haven't seen the final Star Wars, but it's, it's what drove Star Wars into people not really liking it. It's like you have this idea. It's what drove Lost into its kind of predicament. It's like you eventually have to solve the mystery. And mm. after seven years, people expect like the face of God to appear in front of them. Yes. And yeah. when it doesn't happen, they're disappointed. And you only did it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's, 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 disappointing because i feel like there's so much potential in this show and again i i don't want to talk about it like this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my life because it's not it's but i like I, this better than discovery i'm actually the opposite of you i do think it's yeah, a better show i don't than know discovery. honestly i i can't i can't honestly say that because even on discovery i kind of look forward to watching the next episode and i can't sit like i watch the the teaser for the next episode and i go all right whatever i'm in but mm-hmm. sure, you know I I see stuff that triggers my Star Trek brain, and there's, they have a, they cut they cut a decent enough trailer that they end up just like completely whiffing on when they actually see the episode. <laughs> but it's like it interests me enough. Whether it's you get bits of the continuing storyline that look interesting, and they when they do that in this one, it's like I don't give a shit about any of the stuff they're showing me. Like I'm not actively looking forward to the next episode of the show. Yeah, it looks like a lot of Soji punching the floor trying to figure out who she is. Torn cool. up pictures. Great. Yeah. I'm super excited. I can't wait to see what the uh, incest Romulan lady does <laughs> in in whatever hallway she's in this week. She has a very she has a very frowny face in her one shot of it, so we can expect it. It does Just, look like the Borg reactivates or something. So we'll, well see. Well, I couldn't tell that one shot looks suspiciously like it might have been Locutus. Oh, okay. But but maybe that's just another bald pasty orc, bald white know. man. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, man. So oh <laughs> Sorry, I know we're we're going kind of long, but I I did want to mention um, in another element of it almost feeling like this show is being written and produced in real time. Uh, did you notice in this episode when uh, Seven of Nine comes into his office that looks like the chateau? She's like, "Huh, why does this look like a chateau?" And he's like, "I didn't pick this." Yes, yeah. Well, what is what? What she has a she has a line. She says. She brings up the thing that we questioned last episode. She says, you were running from this. Why did you yeah. choose it again? And he says, I didn't, with no further explanation as to why he can't create a single bland room with a chair and a desk on it. Yeah, I don't know. Why even put that? I, I don't know. It, it's another one of those things where it's like, is that a supposed to be a character moment? Is that something that's going to come up later? Is it just a throwaway? Production but joke, it, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it feels like a throwaway joke to respond to people who are like saying what we were saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's something else I was going to say, but I forget what it is. 
Well, let's wrap it up there. We'll remember it for next episode. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, guys, for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying Star Trek Picard. That is Stardust City Rag. Do they have a name for the next one? The Impossible Box is oh. the next episode. Oh, great. <laughs> so it's it's the definition of like a mystery box. A mystery box. <laughs> uh, I was going to say... Um, it it almost it almost makes me sad that this isn't being written in, or like written and produced in real time week to week because if it were me and I was in that room I'd be like okay guys we get five episodes if we're if people aren't into it we're hitting the Q button oh there you we're go bringing in Q and blowing everything up <laughs> maybe that's why Riker and Troy didn't come in the uh, the third episode like we thought they were yeah. they they didn't know that they needed them until the seventh episode <laughs> or whatever in the production they're like oh this is not going well <laughs> what can we do for episode seven or whatever that will get people back on our good side oh yeah let's bring in somebody get frakes on the phone yeah dust that donut the donut crumbs off of his beard to get him from behind the camera and throw him in this uh, yeah after he directed that second episode uh michael chabon sidled up and was like can you we need you just <laughs> Picard's gonna go home for some reason. We'll see. We'll it's see. Gotta be, it's gotta be. It's gotta be Beta Z, right? He's it must be. be. Yeah, it must yeah. be. Yeah. It, it looks like Alaska, and he's from Alaska. It's very woodsy. That's the only thing that concerns me. But we'll see what it is. So. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's a uh, a further advanced version of the hollow communication thing, where it, now it's just like your whole house oh, gets. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like he could be a hologram at Riker's house or something. Right. Yes. Exactly. Oh, I hope they don't do that. That would Troy, be really Troy hugs him, I think. So unless the technology is increased, I think it's going to be all right. All right, let's wrap it up there. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show there. And otherwise, thank you for listening. Let us know what you think about Picard at this point. This episode might be a turning point for some people. Maybe not. I see a lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't like it. All those opinions equally valid, right? Except uh, one of them is more right than the other ones. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll see you later.